0: Welcome to the new episode of Starting Your Own Coffee Shop. I am Jerry Stolani, the founder of Café Chocolat in downtown DC. I had no experience when I started four years ago, and if I can do it, you can too. Tune in. The podcast finally has a home on the web at ristretto-time.com, T-R-E-T-T-O time, T-I-M-E dot com. Sorry, Stratotime dot com. And uh, the reason why I decided to set up a website is because I wanted to make sure that I gave you, the listeners, a way to provide feedback, to communicate back, uh, and also to let me know if there are things you want me to talk about, there are questions that you have, uh, issues that you're running into, and want a second opinion. Um, I would gladly love to uh, to help out. So it's also a good way to uh, provide feedback. So again, ristrettotime.com right, Hello, friends, and welcome to our episode number 11. Uh, today, I will talk about uh, employees. I'll talk about staffing. I mean, this is a topic that deserves its own podcast series because, you know, obviously, HR is uh, the biggest department for Every company out there, or most companies out there, um, and uh, and there's so many things to to cover on this. So I I won't obviously go into a lot of details, but uh, this I consider this episode a little bit of a kind of like a, a a thirty minute recap of what I learned in four years of. Managing people in managing hiring and and um and developing uh staff in one of the industries with the highest turnover rate of any industry right um uh, there's a statistic out there that uh the coffee shop business has a four hundred percent um employee turnover rate which basically means. You know, the employees, in in a nutshell, the employees that you start the year with, by the time you end the year, you would have been on the fourth round of employees in the shop. So your average employee will be with you for about three months. Um, That means you're going to spend a lot of time training. You're going to spend a lot of time managing, a lot more time that you would want micromanaging. Um, It's not the most fun You will have, but you can actually make it uh, a lot of fun. And uh, I'll show you what we did at Café Chagra. We had uh, an episode, I think episode five, uh, where I interviewed two of my uh, people from my staff. And we talked a little bit about what we did there and what the culture was like there and, and, you know, how much fun it was to work um, at the shop. So I will uh, tell you a little bit about what my thinking is when it comes to staffing and, um, and how I did the hiring process and how it evolved from, from when it started. All right. So first I'll talk about the different types of employees that will work for you. I've, I've developed my own classification. Again, there's nothing scientific about it. This is just through the four years that I worked there, uh, it, it this made it easy for me to kind of understand just generally how to approach each type of employee based on 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 the certain classification right uh because at the end of the day your job as a manager of a shop or as the owner of the shop is to make sure that everything runs smoothly right so if you have employees that just call in sick all the time or don't show up or whatever, that that puts a strain not just on the business, but even on the other staff, right? Um, I've been in situations where my staff has complained at how unfair it is for employee X or Y to just call in sick or not show up for a week and we're still trying to hold their position, right? So you have to kind of keep that in consideration that at the end of the day, when you're running a shop, your staff is not necessarily working for you. You are actually working for them, and the happier they are working there, the happier you're going to be with the shop, and the happier you're going to be running that shop, right? Uh, so, so it's it's really important to kind of understand what your employees' needs are, and it's really important to cater to those needs. So for me, it was helpful to kind of develop a system of understanding uh you know what type of employee you're working with and what are their general needs now this is not to say that everybody fits in a certain bucket right everybody's got their own needs just because um you have you know two people you've classified them as as a certain type of employee it doesn't mean that they are identical it doesn't mean that they have the same issues it doesn't mean that they're behave they're going to behave the same way right but it generally helps so here are my classifications, and again, we can we can talk about this, and I'm I'm sure uh, maybe some people may not uh, feel good about kind of having this classification, or or me kind of you know the way I did my classification. But at the end of the day, it's it's what helped me, and it had nothing to do with with the employees themselves, right? So uh, the first type of employee that you will run into a lot. And I think this makes up the bulk of why there's a 400% turnover ratio um, in terms of staffing at coffee shops is the journeyman. The journeyman is um, is, you know, similar to the definition of I mean, it's the definition of uh, of, of any industry you have, you have journeymen in sports, you have journeymen in business. Um, and, and basically the way I look at the journeyman is there's no, they don't really have loyalty to, to the brand. They don't have, they don't come there, uh, because they love what you do and they want to learn what you're doing and they want to, uh, generally kind of move up they're They're there for a month, two months to uh for personal reasons for you know they need a job they need to pay bills things like that. There's nothing wrong with that, but you need to kind of keep in mind um to have this understanding, because in two months, three months, four months, uh, you know, a journeyman is going to be ready to move on to the next place. And for you, you have to keep that in mind, so that when that happens, you can immediately replace them so that you don't put a strain on your staff, right, or on the business itself. Uh, and, and the journeyman, you'll see them work for you for a couple of months. And then, you know, the next day, they're working across the street at a retail shop. And the next day, you know, three months later, they're working at, at another place that has, that uh, is completely unrelated, right? So they're, they're not necessarily trying to learn the industry. They're just um, there for uh, a couple of months and they're move on, moving on to uh, another type of uh, industry, another type of career, or even, you know, move up to move to another city. Um, so when you're hiring journeyman i mean the best way to find out right is you just look at their work history and if you see that they're constantly kind of in a flux right every six months to a year to two years they're constantly moving and it's not because they're in school or anything it's just that they're all uh going to to different uh, places that you kind of have uh, in in your mind the idea that this person is going to do the same thing at the shop as well they're probably going to be around for a few months and then uh they're going to leave so that it 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 doesn't mean anything about their work ethic, right? They could be very hard worker, it doesn't mean anything. It's just that you have to keep in mind that at a certain point in time, um, and sooner rather than later, they're going to leave. So you need to figure out how you're going to shift your staff around how you're going to shift your schedules around to, to replace them with somebody else. And you can't escape the journeyman right like i mean this is an industry where there's so much turnover that it's not going to be very easy for you to find staff right so so you're you, there's there's going to be a lot of times where you're just going to have to hire people and try to develop them uh in hopes that they will continue to stay but you should kind of uh, be accustomed to the fact that most of your employees will not hang around for more than three or four months Um, The next type of employee is the student. Um, And obviously, self-explanatory, they come in in September or August, they'll stay with you for a whole semester. um, And then they'll go on vacation for two to three weeks or will go home uh, somewhere out of state depending on where they where their families are from, and then they may either come back or not, right, to your shop, or they may just go work somewhere else. Uh, the great thing about hiring students is that they are predictable. Their schedules are predictable, right? You know that if you bring them in in September, and if you accommodate their schedules where it allows them to study, it allows them to... Uh, um, it allows them for classes to attend their classes, and you give them some, you, you give them a set schedule that they know. It it's it's going to really help them, and it also is going to get you uh, a good commitment for about six months, even to a year. I have, I hired a lot of students at the shop, and and some of them have stuck around even after they graduated and moved on to other jobs, they would still come back and work at the shop if I needed them for a certain thing. And a lot of that was, you know, not because they necessarily need the money, but because of courtesy, right? Because if you are able to accommodate their schedules, they will, you know, they will reward you with loyalty, they will reward you with great customer service. Uh, So I loved working with students and and I, you know, um, I had a a great time having them there because, you know, they're they're easy to train. They love uh, working in coffee shops. Uh, and also they'll bring their friends. They'll tell their friends they're there. So that's an added plus, right? Um, they can advertise your shop in their college. So so it's, um, it's, uh, it's, it's a really good um, base for employees. Now, one thing that you have to keep in mind with students is they don't like to work on the weekends. Um, even if you schedule them on the weekends, Don't be surprised if you get calls. "Uh, I can't come in this weekend or my friends are going to New York for the weekend and I'd like to get those days off. So you're going to get a lot of that stuff uh, with students. But Monday through Friday, it's guaranteed they're going to be there for you at the hours that you want them to be there, right? So loved working with students. Can't recommend them enough. Um, The next group, which actually is going to be I think the most loyal group of employees and and the ones that will be there the longest are what I consider artists. So, think of them as, you know, basically people that are into music or writing, um, and they're either working on developing the, the next great American novel, or they're in a band of some sort and they're trying to make that band big, right? So they, they're, they're great, uh, to have as baristas because one, um, they, they're absolutely interesting, right? Like customers will love talking to them, whether it's about music, whether it is about literature, whether it is about theater, whatever uh, this type of employee is into, right? Um, and two, um, they what they're looking for generally, at least from my experience, right? Like I don't want to generalize everybody, but from my experience, what I've realized um, they're looking for is they're looking for flexibility, right. So if they're in a band and the band always uh, does rehearsals at 6 p.m, then they they want they will work for you from 6 a.m. to like 5 p.m seven days a week, right? But they want to make sure they can make rehearsal. Um, If they're into theater, they just want to make sure that they get those hours. So if you allow them that flexibility in their schedule where they can actually get some time uh, to work on what it is they're working on to achieve, right? They will be with you for a long time. Uh, They'll be super interesting and people, your customers will love coming back just to talk to them uh, um, about the things they're working on. So I, I loved hiring artists. Um, and, and somehow I feel like, especially with, if you're, if you're, if you have a really nice and unique coffee shop, it just also kind of fits with the theme, right? A lot of people go to coffee shops to read. A lot of people go to coffee shops to, to kind of get their creative juices going, right? So if your staff is also there supporting that it's 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 a win win situation for everybody. Uh, so I loved hiring artists, and and I thought you know uh, if I had a if I always looked for for people who who were kind of in between that right? They were either trying to be in a band or or trying to paint or whatever whatever it is they were working on. Because um, uh, they also uh, what I've kind of from my experience what I've uh, gathered from working with a lot of artists, they also find a lot of interest. I mean, they look at coffee as art as well, right? So they will be very, they will uh, spend a lot of time learning about what it is they're doing, about their process. And again, I think to be a writer, to be an artist, you have to be a perfectionist. And, and it comes across even in the quality of the work that they do. So to me, I, I just can't recommend um, artists enough as well. Um, and then you, you have... Um, you know, just the, the traditional family person, right? Um, the 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 thing that you don't see that a lot in the coffee industry, I think, because a lot of uh, coffee industry is generally speaking like a minimum wage job, right? And it doesn't get tipped very well. Uh, customers don't really tip baristas very well. Um, and, and we can do that. I'll probably do a whole episode about why I am such an advocate about tipping baristas a lot more than you know, tipping bartenders. Um, But anyway, so a lot of a lot of the the people that have families, they're working two jobs, or they need a job that will allow them will pay them a little bit more money, right, but will allow them time to be able to go to pick up the kids and and things like that. And a coffee shop is not necessarily suited for that uh, uh, for for that type of flexibility. So so those are the three journeyman students, and and artists. Uh, or startup artists, right? Um, In terms of the the people that you're going to see often come to your shop and what you should look for. Um, In terms of interviewing, when I started the shop, I took the interviewing part very, very seriously. So Again, I came from a corporate setting where you had formal interviewing, uh, you had a structure in terms of how it worked, and I brought that initially to the shop as well. I remember when I hired my first staff. They had to go through phone interviews. They had to go through in-person interviews. They had to go through uh, another in-person interview at the shop and then kind of like a hands-on. And then they had to go through training and and things like that. Um, And the more I started hiring people and going through the process, I realized that that process didn't help me in any way. It didn't Help me delineate between a good employee or a bad employee. And it was actually taken way too much time uh, dedicating to the hiring part. Uh, and especially how often you're going to be doing this, you're going to be constantly hiring employees, uh, you want to figure out a more flexible way of doing that. Uh, now, the way we did it at the shop or the way I did it at the shop and what it evolved into being, I'm not gonna say that this is the right way to do it. I'm sure there's probably better ways of doing it and formalizing it. But what worked for me was completely reversed in the way we hired. We we used indeed a lot out of all the different tools that you have, at least from from my experience, you know, whether it's monster, or whether it's um um, uh, Craigslist or any of these things. Indeed for me was the best place to go to because for every time you put an, uh, uh, it's for free, the first thing. And the second thing is every time you put, uh, uh, an ad there for a job, you would get somewhere between, excuse me, somewhere between, uh, 350 to 600 applications. Now there was a lot to go through, right? So sometimes it would be like two or three of us just kind of every day just going through different applications, just looking at them. And probably most of them are not even going to be related to the job. So 70% of them are, you're going to open them and you're going to say, why did this person even apply for this position? But it doesn't matter. I mean, you still have another 100 applications to go through that that may fit, right? So, um. One of the things, is so when we looked at resumes, uh, I didn't really spend time looking at specific experience, looking at what they specifically did there, whether they worked, if they worked at Starbucks, what they specifically did there, it didn't really matter to me. I just wanted to see where they worked at and how long they were there, because that kind of helped me see if this person is going to be a journeyman, right? If this person is going to be, and I also looked at if they're students, uh, and I also looked at what type of things they did in the past. Cause it kind of helped me with figuring out how to classify them from the get go. Right. And then I would bring them in for an interview right on the spot. Like I would call them if the ones that I liked, I would call each one of them or send them a, a, an email saying, Hey, I want you to come in for an interview. So we would have, we would block basically an entire day with like 30 minute interview times. um, Not that it took us 30 minutes to interview, but we would have people kind of back-to-back, back-to-back, back-to-back. And sometimes there would be, like, one person being interviewed and, like, five people waiting to be interviewed uh, at the shop uh, once that uh, interview was finished. Um, The interview, even though it was blocked for 30 minutes, on average, it took somewhere between, like, five to ten minutes. So five five to ten minutes may sound like it's not a lot of time but what you realize is plenty of time it's more time than you need at the end of the day it won't really help going through the work history unless you're hiring uh, for a manager because what mattered to us was those five to ten minutes was just for us to figure out if they had customer service skills, right? And how they handled us and how they handled our questions. Um, And it also gave us plenty of information in terms of approachability, like how approachable are they, right? So you wanted to make sure those five to 10 minutes are just there for you to understand how well they are, how good they are at communicating, because at the end of the day, they're going to be communicating with your customers, right? And if you're there, if they're not approachable, if uh, if you don't kind of see that customer service side of this person, then it doesn't really matter how good they are at latte art and how good they are at making coffee or how much of an expert they are at knowing the coffee business, right? At the end of the day, if a customer is not happy with the interaction, who cares that they got a great cup of coffee? They'll never come back. Um, so so that's why the interview was no more, no longer than about five to ten minutes. And then what we did was we would bring them in after about five ten minutes. After we we kind of in our minds checked the marks of yeah, this person looks like they have great customer service skills and they're very approachable and very commun- communicable. Uh, then the next part would come in would be like, Hey, uh, in order for us to understand what their understanding is of the, of, of the coffee business. And if they really knew what they were doing, I would just say, Hey, do you want to make a cortada for us real quick? Or just throw a name there? You know, you know, make a latte. Um, and that was the biggest differentiator between what was on the resume and what they talked about and how important they made themselves sound to really, can they actually do the work or not? Um, and I had a situation where I was interviewing this one, uh, one guy who the entire time, it didn't matter what I was saying, or it didn't matter what I was talking. He was like, listen, just uh, stop talking to me, man. Just, just put me behind the bar. Just put him behind the bar, put him behind the bar. And kept insisting to be put behind the bar, you know, to show me how good he is at this stuff. And um, and I was like, okay. I said, well, why don't we, why don't you just make me a Cortado or something? And and he he froze. Uh, then he goes kind of behind the bar, picks up the portafilter, uh, is looking around. And after a couple of minutes of him just kind of looking at the machine and the portafilter and just trying to figure out what to do, he just turns around and says to me, hey... I mean, can you just put me to dishes or something um, instead of this i'm'm I'm, I'm a really good worker <laughs> that, was, that, that was the end of that conversation, right um, but putting people behind the bar right there and then and just kind of seeing what they do is is going to be a huge test for you because even if if they have for example, uh, all of the customer service skills and, and the approachability and 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 you've kind of thought about it, They're like, well, this guy or this girl looks like they have a really good work ethic. Um, once you put them behind the bar, you can also kind of see what areas they need development with. So they might know their way around the machine, but their frothing is probably not on point. Or they don't know anything about calibrating, um, just calibrating the machine. So you it helps you kind of figure out Where is it that you need to train them? Um, And then if we liked the person, if we saw that they kind of knew what they were doing behind the machine, then I would just ask them, I'd say, hey, what are you doing for the next couple hours? And if they said, nothing, I'm just going to go home, I'd say, why don't you just work with us for a couple hours? And I would pay them for those two hours. I would pay whatever the minimum wage um, was at the time um, in DC. But um, those two hours, they're there, they're working, They're getting paid, and it also gives you an idea of what it is to have them around. At the end of the day, I looked at my shop as as a family, and we all spend a lot of time there, and it's a small space behind the bar. So if you have like four or five people behind the bar, you better make sure everybody can get along, right? Because that small space becomes even smaller, and through all the thick and thin of everything that's happening, you know, uh, characters are different, uh, tension and, you know, nerves start flaring up. So you want to make sure that whoever you're hiring can actually fit in with the rest of the team. And those two hours behind the bar got us to see who they are. They got to see who we are. And at the end of the day, maybe we weren't a good fit for them. Maybe they just realized that, you know what? I don't really like this place. These guys are nuts. I don't want to work here. I can see myself here. And that was fine. I was. It was great for me. It was probably, every time I hired an employee, it was probably the best $30 I've always spent on people. Because if it took me only $30 to find out that person doesn't belong in their shop, it's the best $30 I spent. Because had I hired them, just the headache of characters not getting along or, or, situations arising, you know, it would cost me a lot more time and a lot more money. Right? So it's probably the best investment I've all I've made. And if I were to do a shop again, I would, this would be the, the thing that I would continuous, uh, continuously do. Bring them in, bring them for two hours, pay them for those two hours. Uh, but actually get to see how they work, get to see how they handle my employees, get to see how they handle my customers. Right? So you want to do that, or at least I I did that. I love doing it, and it's something that I will continue doing um, as I move forward or if I were to get back in the industry, right? Um, the next part of it, which is the most important part in terms of building that employee loyalty, is spending time to develop your employees. I spend a lot of time on my employees. I treated each one of them as as I would have wanted to be treated when I were their age. Um, Again, you know, I'm 42 now, so you're working with like 18-year-olds, 19-year-olds, 20, 25 year olds, almost twice their age, right? But I always kind of put that in, in, I always kind of had that perspective when I worked with them, you know, what would I have wanted somebody my age, right? So like a 40, 45 year old to tell me about what work is like when I was 20 and 25. Uh, And the thing that I always felt like I lacked was I didn't really have good business mentors, people that or I just—I shouldn't say good business mentors. I just never really went out there looking for a mentor, and I felt like everything that I learned, I had to learn the hard way. Um, where it could have been so much easier had I just approached successful people and and just say, "Hey, you know, how would you handle this situation, or how would you handle that situation?" Um, so now, in retrospect, I always thought about that, right? Like if I was 20 years old and I'm just starting out. You know, in in life, you know, I've just finished school and I'm starting out in life. What do I have wanted people to tell me? What do I have wanted people to teach me? So I always uh, treated my employees that way. And I always try to share as much advice as possible um, on on various things that as they relate to, you know, the the coffee shop or even just business life in general. Right. So one of the things that I did and I picked this up at a job I used to work, I don't know, 15 years back is I would do a book club. So every month I'll pick a book. Again, you you don't want to overstretch your employees. You don't want to, you know, give them like war and peace. Uh but just small business books like Who Moved My Cheese or The Ice Cream Maker or just things that are somewhere between like thirty to like a hundred pages. Um and then we would give them I would give them a week to read and then we would all kind of get together and talk about it, but not just kind of like, hey, what was the book about and what'd you learn from the book? But how could we apply those things here at the shop, right? Whether it's Um, with employees, whether it's with uh, customers, whether it's from a product perspective, and that paid a lot of dividends, not just to the shop, but to the loyalty that I was able to build with my employees. Um, Because when you're spending time developing your employees, they acknowledge that they Um, they appreciate that. And they also understand that, listen, this is not just a job, I'm actually growing here, right? Even even doing these little things, and I may hate my job, I may hate making coffee. But just this idea of I'm actually learning something about what to do better um, is is huge, right? It pays a lot of dividends. So so I would recommend everybody do this. Um, I do this at other jobs that I have. And I, in a way, and I'm probably just, you know, um, shouldn't just kind of give this away, but, um, it's also a way for me from a managerial standpoint to learn which one of my employees is really interested in growing and which one is not. Um, and I make, Hiring and firing decisions based on that. Um, It's very simple. If you do not have time to read a book that's 50 pages long, then I'm not sure that you're actually going to be able to dedicate the time necessary to whatever task you're at, whatever business or job you're at. Right. Um, I had, I was working at, um, another place. Um, and I brought, I was new, uh, a new, you know, manager. So I brought my team in and I said, Hey guys, you know, this is, I like to actually do a book club. Um, I like to propose business books. We read them and we talk about them and we talk about how they would help our business. Uh, and I've had people go. I'm sorry. I'm just kind of, you know, I I'm, count me out because I'm I'm I just don't have time to read a book, you know, a 50-page book in a week. Um, and I think of it in terms of myself, right? So like, I'm working uh, here at this job, right? I'm running a shop on the side. I have a four-year-old at home, Marriage, life sick parents and things like that. And if I can find time to read a 50 page book, then it's unacceptable to me that a 25 year old with a puppy cannot find time to read a 50 page book over a period of a week. Right. So what that tells me is that this person is not very good at managing their time. Um, and I'm not sure they're, going to be really good at managing the projects as well. So, um, anyway, so it was also, so doing that, uh, giving these out of work kind of projects, but that, that help your employees grow also helps you kind of understand who's really, you know, committed to, to learning and who's really committed to growth. Right. Uh, so I, I, I like doing that. Um, and at the end of the day, you're, like I said earlier in the in the episode, people are not there to work for you, right? You are there to work for them, and if you're going to manage from a pulpit and just kind of, you know, tell people what to do, you're you're not really going to enjoy the work that you're doing, and you're really not going to enjoy working with uh, the people. But if you're think of yourself as the person who just makes sure that everybody's doing all right, right? Even outside of work, then you're going to have a very loyal team, you're going to have a very happy team, and you're going to have very happy customers. And I think that was the key to success uh, for our shop, um, for 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 the way we managed our Uh, shop and for the type of customer loyalty that we had. Um, At the end of the day, one of the things that I always did with my employees um, is I would spend time talking to each one of them and kind of learning what their uh, what what their what their things that they're passionate about were. So my interviews really were Never about, hey, tell me about Starbucks and what you did at Starbucks. But he was like, hey, what kind of music do you like? Hey, what's a fun book that you've read recently? Because that helped me establish establish common ground beyond just you're here to work and make coffee. And I'm here to manage the work that you do and tell you how to do it, right? Um, and that was huge. Um, and, and people have pointed out that, you know, one of the things that they liked about the place is that they felt like family felt like people care. Um, and, and when you ask your staff, how are you doing? Really mean it. Um, ask it twice They say, Hey, you know, what's up, John or Lauren, how are you doing today? And, you know, people just because it's, it's the thing that, you, that everybody asks you and you just say fine and you just kind of like saying hello, hello, right? Uh, but no, actually stop and say, no, really, how are you doing today? Um, and you'd be surprised at, at the conversations that you'll have. You'd be surprised at the feedback that you'll get uh, based on really showing that you care for, uh, for your employees and, um, and your staff. And, and that's your biggest resource. It's not really your coffee. It's not really any of the products that you have. It's your employees. They're the ones that are going to either make it or break the store. Um, and and it's something you can control. It's something that you can actually do yourself. So with that, um, this episode is coming to an end. But if you have any questions on employees, on staff, if you want book recommendations Write to me. Uh, My email is dolani at gmail.com. D as in David, O-L-L-A-N as in Nora, I at gmail.com. All right, until next time. Well, here we are at the end of this episode. I've had a lot of fun. Uh, keep an eye out for future episodes we'll be bringing in uh, some people with some deep knowledge in various areas of running and owning a coffee shop or a coffee business Um, so we'll give you guys chances to ask questions um, or even get live on one of our episodes as well so until then have a good rest of the day